Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Funny Podcast, where laughter is a main course and humor is always on the menu. So let's get started, and here's your daily dose of funny. We've been waiting for a long time. Yes, we've been waiting for a long, long time. Perform without my heroin. I got to meet the man now. Then give it to me. I'm gonna go. Oh, enough so I don't OD, but I have a good head. I wonder if people be saying that shit. It's happening too fast for Murphy. You're gonna OD or some shit right there. Not me, baby. This is the play Eddie Murphy died in, right here. If I crash, this would be so great. What's his name? Larry. His name's Larry. Well, he'll be dead, too, if he's in the front. I'm getting on this, though. But in case we do go down, Larry, you incompetent fuck, you crashed while we were flying. Okay. <laughs> Cola health, that's the key to life. That's the key to success. A healthy cola. <laughs> Two men real close. See, now that's the inside of my cola. Thank you. 
Thank you too much. Too kind, far too kind. Before I even get started, before I even get started, I want to um, say, how about a big round of applause for the bus boys? Get some rules. I got some rules when I slow down. When I do my stand-up, I got rules and shit. Straight up, faggots aren't allowed to look at my ass while I'm on stage. That's, that's why I keep moving while I'm up here. So if you don't know where the faggot section is, you got to keep moving. So if they do see it, it's quick and you switch it. They don't get no long stare at your shit. Imagination flowing on my, about my. I know what you're looking at too, because my ass get hot. I'm afraid of gay people, petrified. I have nightmares about gay people. I have this nightmare that I go to Hollywood and find out that Mr. T is a faggot. <laughs> really, and he'd be walking up to people going, "Hey boy, hey boy, you look mighty cute in them jeans." Come on over here and fuck me up the ass. Come on. I'm gonna bend over now. Mm. Ah. Hey, boy, slow down. You're gonna mess around and come too fast. Maybe you get mad, I'll clench up my butt cheeks and rip your dick off. You know, you know who'd be a funny faggot? Ralph Cramden and Ed Norton. Wouldn't they be funny faggots? If Ralph Cramden leaned out the window they, one day and said, Norton! Norton, pal, come on down. I want to show you something. Ha <laughs> ha! Hey there, Alfie boy. What do you say there, pal of mine? You know, Norton, I've been watching you. And I know you've been watching me, Norton. You watch me. I know. So, uh, Ralph, where are you getting at? Norton, my friend, how would you like to fuck me up the ass? I know you want to fuck me, Norton. And you know that I know that you know that I know that you want to fuck me. Now I'm going to bend over. And when I... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do start fucking. Here I go. Way to go there, Ralphie boy. I kid the homosexuals a lot because they homosexuals. I, I fuck with everybody. I don't give a fuck. It's like um, I don't mean anything by it. You can hang out with a gay person. You can, guys. Don't feel you know like alienate gay people because they're gay. Because you can play tennis with a gay person. Really, just after the game, you say, I'm gonna go get a beer, what you gonna do? Think I'll go suck somebody's dick. Well, I'll see you later. <laughs> you gonna suck that dick, I'm gonna have the beer. <laughs> Ladies are hip to it, too. Ladies be hanging out with gay people. Ladies be saying, gay men are the best friends to have. Because they don't want anything from you, you don't want anything from them, you can just hang out and you can be with them, it's fun, you can talk to them and all that bullshit, and they be hanging out with them. You know what's real scary about that? That new age shit. AIDS is scary because it kills motherfuckers, AIDS. That ain't like the good old days when venereal disease was simple. In the good old days, you get gonorrhea, your dick hurt, go get a shot, cleared right up. Then they came out with herpes, you keep that shit forever like luggage. And now they got AIDS, that just kills motherfuckers. I say, what's next? I guess you just put your dick in and explode. Go, maybe I should see a doctor about it. <laughs> Kills people. It petrifies me because girls be hanging out with them. And one night they can be in the club having fun with their gay friend and give them a little kiss and go home with their AIDS on their lips. <laughs> get home with their husband and then like five years later, Mr. Johnson, you have AIDS. He goes, AIDS? But I'm not a homosexual. Sure, you're not a homosexual. <laughs> All them diseases scare me, cause <laughs> these are the years to fuck. This is where you do your best fucking, where you just start to learn your body and you're getting all your shoulders in on the fuck. You know? <laughs> like 18 year olds, let me hear y'all in the audience. See, y'all don't know how to fuck yet, see? You get 22, you start moving all this shit, making faces. You ever make them fuck faces? A cool motherfucker say. <laughs> you don't do that when you're 18, it's just one expression because you'd be surprised you're fucking me. <laughs> you're a little older though. Plus, you don't have no dick control when you're 18. 
Ever been sitting around when you was young man, just sitting in class and your dick get hard for nothing? You be just sitting there and your dick say, hey, what's going on in there? And that's when your teacher said, Mr. Murphy, wanna come work out this problem on the board? No, that's all right. I'll take the zero. Really, no dick control at all. It's even hard to find the pussy when you're 18. Ever had that guy when you'd be searching for the pussy down there? And your dick be sliding down and shit, and, and the girl be going, that's not it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is there any problem? No, ain't no problem, baby. You got a shoehorn or some shit like that? <laughs> and this is the business to be in if you want some pussy. That's why I got in show business for pussy. I figure if Jimmy Walker could fuck, I'm fucking everybody. <laughs> fuck this. And it's like that too. When you do TV shows, women be throwing pussy at me on the street like frisbees. And <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Take all the pussy. They be here comes pussy. Here comes pussy for you. Pussy for you. Pussy. I'm saying thank you. I appreciate it. I like all the pussy. Thanks. Too much pussy. Pussy be falling out my pockets and shit. Walking down the street, I say, oh, excuse, watch your step, that's mine. <laughs> being a comic, though, ain't like being no singer. The singers get all the pussy. Like the busboys, they fuck everybody. <laughs> busboys will fuck anything that moves. Come to my house, the fish stop swimming. They don't play. The singers get pussy. Because you don't have to even be, you don't even have to look good and you can sing and get pussy. Just be interesting. Because this sex symbols getting pussy that's ugly motherfuckers. Because all you have to do is sing. It's something about singing. That's the business. You sing, women go crazy. Because Mick Jagger is an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> with, with big ass lips. Mick Jagger's lips so big, black people be going, you got some big ass lips. Give <laughs> some big motherfucking lips. But he's singing. And you sing, you get over. Luther Vandross, a big Kentucky fried chicken eating motherfucker. <laughs> but he put his shit on the other side. Dip, 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 dip. Women go, ah! <laughs> Sing. That's all you got to do is sing. Michael Jackson, who can sing, and is a good-looking guy, but ain't the most masculine fellow in the world. See what Love needs expression, but I Jermaine, stop teasing. <laughs> you just sing. I like dudes with masculine voices, man, like a Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah, Teddy just come out, take the lyrics, and go, you got, you got, you got what I need. And scare the bitches into liking him. That motherfucker's crazy. Throw your panties on the stage. That's what's happening. I like Elvis Presley. Really, I give credit where credit is due. El when Elvis was young, he was a bad motherfucker, boy. Elvis was bad. 
He was vicious and shit. Sing his ass off. He sang so good, they let him do movies. He couldn't act. They said, fuck it, let him sing all his dialogue. They did. Everything Elvis said, they said, Elvis, we gotta win this race. We gotta win this race. <laughs> Elvis, want some lemonade? Lemonade. That cool, refreshing drink. Let him sing till it was over, too. Elvis was 42 years old. Remember right before he croaked? He would come out. His stomach was all fat and shit. And his butt be sticking out and shit. Looking like he had the shit he walked on the stage like that. I've traveled each and every by but more. What's more than is. Excuse me. See, <laughs> the key to it you don't even have to be able to talk to sing and get famous. Because James Brown been singing 20 years. I don't know what the fuck James is talking about. I don't understand shit James said. I met him once at Saturday Night Live and walked up and said, James, I love your stuff. James said, Sebastian did that. And whatever James is saying is some real heavy shit to James. Because it's real meaningful shit to James because at the end of every sentence he ended off with, ha! <laughs> he meant that shit that he just said, boy. Everything. Is like, <laughs> you get mad, you start putting the needle back saying, what the fuck did I just miss? Seven and the people say, hey. <laughs> That's a James Brown lyric. He wrote that shit. He was writing a song, said, I need a word here. Hey. That's good. <laughs> I get this song going, all the songs sounded the same. Jamie going, Sabbath, the bond of people say, I'm a no, or to mine. Shit, did you see you? Ha! Ha! I'm no, no. Come on, the Parmesan, other than that. in the back, grandma, no one else. I. 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 They made you. That, that, was that. Most people know you in there. <laughs> talking to the band and lose you, right? Say, Sally about now. Band said, yeah. Did you? Yeah. Sally about now. Yeah. Band be going, what the fuck is James talking about? Man? <laughs> I don't know if we're getting paid. Keep singing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people take singers. They love something about singers that people just love and shit. Because I remember I did Stevie Wonder on the show once. And black people lost their motherfucking minds. I had brothers rolling up on me going, Hey, you the motherfucker I be doing Stevie Wonder? 
That shit ain't funny, motherfucker. Don't you never let me see you do that shit again. I'll fuck you up. Stevie Wonder is a musical genius. That's terrible. That's terrible, man. Your mother brought you up wrong. That's what it is. Your mother brought you up wrong, motherfucker. I got mad. I was hanging out with Stevie two months ago. I said, look, Steve, I get too much motherfucking flack over this impression. I don't like doing it. I ain't doing the shit no more. Stevie said, well, I feel that. I said, shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> you got to cut Steve off quick. Because if he get a roll going, he'll talk your ears off. You ever see Steve win a Grammy and come up and give one of them long-ass acceptance speeches? I said, and the winner is Stevie won. And Stevie be talking about... And I'd like to say that all the people in the world today and God's children and think And if you just take the motherfucking award and get the fuck out Because <laughs> if you don't say nothing, the credits would be rolling and Stevie going And I'd like to think <laughs> I'd be in the car and say, just shut the fuck up, Stevie I'm telling you, you're a genius and all that shit But you my boy, man, we hanging I mean, like, it's nice and all that shit But I don't, I don't appreciate all the flack Personally, the piano and the singing I told you I feel about singing I ain't impressed you want to impress me? Take the wheel for a little while, motherfucker. I heard that shit, man. That shit wasn't funny. Then I suppose that any little sketch, Stevie crash in a tree, right? Ha ha, very funny, motherfucker. Your mother got a wood leg with a kickstand, motherfucker. Your mother got a mouth in the back of her neck and the bitch chew like this. <laughs> Motherfucking Stevie Wonder jokes and shit. <laughs> it's hot as a fuck in this thing. No, I can't take it off. Make the ladies just run out the place holding their pussies going, ah! What's going on over there? And shit. Ladies run down the street and shit. I can't do that. If you're here, ice cream truck, do they have the ice cream man around here? They have Mr. Softy ice cream? Remember when the ice cream man used to come to town when you was little? And no matter what you was doing, you would stop and lose your fucking mind? There's something about the ice cream truck that make kids lose it. And they can hear that shit from 10 blocks away. They don't hear their mother calling them, but they hear that motherfucking ice cream truck. And no matter what was going on, the ice cream man came to stop. You be getting some marbles and shit, and you hear... Ice cream! Ice cream! She was the one that did all the disciplining around the house and shit. My mom would fuck us up, bitch. Very, very strict house I came from, bitch. And I remember when I first went to, um, first, my first, like, contact with, with a white family freaked me out and shit. I used to, I went to Fresh Air Fun. Never go to that? Where they take a kid, like, from the city and send him to the country and fuck his mind up and shit. <laughs> and I went there and I found out some white kids can curse around the house. That fucked me up. When I was little, I couldn't believe that shit. Because I couldn't even say dag around my house. My father said, it sound too much like damn. I get in trouble for saying shit the wrong way around my house. And I was in the house with Tom Kildare's mother. Mother Tommy, your little lady said, come on, mom, shit, I'm over the fast, I can't shit. Come on. And I was standing there like this. 
Well, if I tried to pull some shit like that in my house, it had you a little late. Hey, come on, pop shit. What is this? Come on, damn. My pops is just going. Motherfucker's crazy. Pops didn't play, man. He didn't, he didn't play when it came to kids. He ain't fuck with my mother, though, because my mother would fuck him up. My mom's one of them, them sisters you don't hit. So you can't hit sisters, period. Remember in the old days when you could beat up a woman? Remember that shit back in the 20s? Guys just smack their wives in the movies, they psh, and they'll just go, oh. You can't do shit like that no more. Women be taking aerobics, they'll fuck you up now. too, man. Especially a black woman. You hit a black woman, she lose her mind and shit. Seriously, they go crazy. You can have a real timid sister for a girl and smack it and be like, I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. You don't hit me, goddamn. You don't hit me, shit. No, motherfucker, you don't hit me. You don't put your hands in my face. My father don't put his hand in my face. You don't hit me, man. Baby, please stop. Baby, please. Stop. Stop, baby. Hold up. Stop. Please, please. Calm down, baby. Calm down. You don't hit me, motherfucker. Just get the fuck out. So you out your own house, you be so scared you get the fuck out, too. That's some shit. You know you scared when a woman say, get the fuck out your own house, and you leave. You a scared motherfucker. I had a girlfriend once. I smacked her and got all cool on it and shit. And then she got cool and scared me more and shit. I just left. Because I slapped and got macho and said, I didn't want to do that shit, baby. But you bought that shit on yourself. Don't make me have to do it again. He said, no, no, I did bring it on myself. I did. Um, why don't you just go to sleep? <laughs> you have to fuck out. People are changing shit. Men are changing too, though. You, this shit that guys do now, you couldn't, that they didn't do 30 years ago. In the old days, man, you have an argument with your girl in the car. She said, let me out here. Man will say, no, no, we won't have any of that. <laughs> and nowadays, a woman say that shit, do say, eh, get the fuck out. <laughs> somebody broke wind in here. I've been trying to, like, not say nothing, but somebody fought it in this motherfucker. That's some long-distance fight, too, boy. <laughs> Don't do that. I know you get out with your friends, you have a good time, especially fellas, you know, to play that game, play the fight game, you know? You know, you fight around your fellas, and it's funny. Dudes be doing that. They be getting in the elevators and fighting and laughing and shit. It's nasty. You play the fight game. I think deep down inside, people want to smell other people's fights. Because <laughs> you smell them. And people always tell you they fight it. They say, I fight it. You don't leave. You pause a second. Yeah, you did. Because yeah. in the back of your mind, you want to grade the fight. Because if it smelled bad enough, two years later, you'd be going, remember that fight you made? <laughs> years ago? The fight game you play. Start off around the house when you're little. Your father introduced you to it. You'd be sitting in the house when they, it was Saturday morning watching cartoons. Your father make a fight and go, that wasn't me. That was your mother. That was your mother. That was, ooh, baby, baby, I want a divorce, baby. Ooh, you rotten, baby, shit. Your mother goes, stop, and you join in and shit. You, 
grab your little brother, sit on his head and fight. Never do that. <laughs> That's a fun game. Your little brother freak out and go, your father goes, to fight game. You'll play one day, son. The fight game. You get your best friend in on that shit, too. You can walk up to your best friend while he's watching the football game and fighting his face. He won't even get mad. He just go, okay, you got me, all right. <laughs> okay, all right. That was a good one, too. My mouth was open. My mouth was open. <laughs> I got a scar over my eye to this day from playing the fight game in the bathtub when I was little. Me and my big brother used to play it. When we was poor, we didn't have no Mr. Bubble. We played the fight game. <laughs> You'd be in that tub, like, G.I. Joe over it, guys. We're going din 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 And G.I. Joe is swimming on the water. Dun 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 And G.I. Joe wants to find out where the bubbles are coming from. Dinner on the bottom of the ocean. So he started to venture into the cave from whence they came. And G.I. Joe got stuck, and G.I. Joe got stuck in the water. And my big brother was sitting in the other end of the tub and shit, and made it, made it shit in the tub. He wanted to add some excitement to the game and shit, because he took, I was going, G.I. Joe, then he said, and then a big brown shark came. I jumped up and said, ah! Cut my eye on a soap dish and blood was gushing out of my face and shit. Screaming, mother ran in the bathroom. See my big brother sitting in the bathroom with a piece of shit in his hand in the tub. <laughs> I was laying in the bottom of the water with blood gushing out of my eye. And G.I. Joe up my ass. <laughs> mother, what the fuck's going on in here? Oh, you know what would be a good... Can I get... Can I hold somebody's camera? Anybody bring a camera? You look... Does this... Uh, does it flash go immediately? Like, I don't have to be waiting like my aunt and shit going, wait a second now. <laughs> Ever do that? You be posing your ass off like this and your aunt be going, wait, it's the flash. <laughs> then try to press it and the shit don't work. You be going, it's something wrong with her. It'll go immediately, the flash. You sure? I'll take a picture of the crowd for myself. Can all y'all come over here on this one? <laughs> no? i take two of them. This ain't no instamatic motherfucker. <laughs> I got to wait for the flash and shit. See, you got me waiting. I should break your shit. There's a brother sitting in the back going, all this money, he taking motherfucking pictures. <laughs> I want my picture took, I steal a car, motherfucker.
Hey, man, I said one fucking picture. <laughs> you up all my fucking film, man. Come on, shit. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are, man? Explain the last one to the guys at Photomat. That's a picture of Eddie Murphy's dick. Ooh, you know what would be a good picture? Can all the brothers stand up? All the brothers in the audience? Straight up. Everybody up. All the brothers. Up. Straight up. I'm serious. What the fuck you doing? Will you motherfuckers stand up? Up. And all the ladies get your cameras out. We're going to set the record straight here. When I say go... Everybody whip out their dick and go, hey! Look at the fancy white dude sat down. Sat down quick and hey! Some of them still standing. Y'all must be Italian. They know about the motherfucking, we got some shit on us. We got all this shit. We the Sheboinkin people, we got some dicks hanging down. Dicks down to this motherfucker. Y'all don't believe it. White people don't believe it. What's funny about it is white people are the ones that made up the rumor. It's like they said, you know, black people have tremendous dicks. But I don't believe it. And we got, we the dick, you know remains of the first dick was found in Africa? A big ass piece of bone dick on the floor. What is this shit? It's an old, dried-up dick. That means it's the first black and the first dick belonged to a black man. Dicks. We got the shit, boy. We got nice asses, too. We got our shit all hooked. See my ass? I see a white dude to be up in his suit like this. How are you? What's happening? Hey. I got a friend, Doug. They go, Doug, my friend. Doug ass is way up here on his back. <laughs> Ain't it, Doug? Doug be getting shit stains on his collar and shit. <laughs> be in restaurants, be reaching for his wallet, say, let me get my wallet. Because <laughs> we got our shit hooked. We got all this shit is hooked up with black people. Chinese people fucked all around because they got little dicks and little asses. They do, and it fucked up the way they walk. They be walking all light because they ain't got no shit pulling them down. <laughs> now, brother's dick is too big, so it fucked up his balance. He be doing all this shit. <laughs> Every time you see a brother in a wheelchair, he ain't always crippled. You got this shit hanging down. That's why I don't let brothers model their drawers in a newspaper. Think about it. I've been seeing newspapers every Sunday morning, white dudes being there in their drawers. Like this. Never have no balls in their drawers. Smiling and shit. If I ain't have no balls, I wouldn't be smiling and shit. I'd be modeling like this. These dudes are going, I don't have any dick. Brother be standing there. If a brother model his drawers in the paper, they need an extra fold out in the paper. Dude. Sailing underwear, but this nigger sticks in my coffee. Want me to stir it for you? (laughs) 
That's some true shit. What's today's date? The 17th and shit. They got a little bit more, a little bit more summer and shit. Go to cook, don't go to cookouts. I hate cookouts, man. Stay away from cookouts and shit. If you like me, you stay the fuck away from cookouts. I don't like my family come by the house. The relatives I ain't seen like since the last cookout. You got certain relatives you just see at the cookout. And they get on your fucking nerves every year. My Uncle Gus come by the house every year. My Uncle Gus is the uncle that like to work the grill and don't let nobody touch the grill when he's around and shit. As soon as he walk in the house, it's like, get away from that grill, you don't know how to start no fire. You don't know how to start no fire, put this fire out. This ain't no fire, goddammit. Eddie, Eddie, go over there and give me all that wood. I need half a tree. Chop that tree down over there. Chop down that tree and give me the wood from that tree over there. And Charlie, go give me two gallons of gasoline out of the shed. You two gallons of gasoline, you kids roll up your shirt, put that on the grill. We're gonna start a fire. Come on, you wanna eat? You wanna eat? Just shut up, then put that on the fire. Okay, put that wood inside there. Okay, give me the gasoline, Charlie. Hold the match. Well, I tell you, Charlie, throw the match on the gasoline, all right? Well, I tell you, all right, we're gonna make a fire. We're gonna eat it, right? Y'all wanna eat? We're gonna eat now. Here we go. Pour the gasoline on here like this there. We need the whole group. Get that goddamn lighter fluid out there. That can't use this shit. We're gonna put all two gallons of gasoline on this wood and make a fire. We're gonna eat a hamburger, okay? Here we go. Charlie, throw the match. <laughs> now that's a fire. That's the fire. Look at that. Look at that. He be all right. Roll Charlie around. Roll him around in here. Roll him around. And Uncle Gus is married to my Aunt Bunny. My Aunt Bunny got a mustache and shit. You know one of them lady mustaches? It was real cool back when she was 20. She had, you know how ladies had them little thin ones and shit? Then when they get about 45, like Aunt Bunny, they be having the Billy D. Williams look. <laughs> shit be thicker than a man's and shit. Now, Aunt Bunny weighed like 300 pounds. Like 250, real heavy lady and shit, and the kids were scared of her. You be, you got that kid logic going. I remember my aunt Bunny come by the house and shit. It was like, I was petrified because she always wanted to kiss me or touch me and some shit. As soon as she walked in the door, it's like, come give your aunt Bunny a kiss, baby. And you go, <laughs> your mother say, why don't you want to kiss your aunt Bunny? Kids don't give a fuck. They go, she got a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Why do kids move so slow when they be crying? Stop making all that noise. I said, shut up. You'd be mad because your mother hits you. You'd be standing there wishing hateful shit on your mother. Ever do that? Be in the bedroom going, God, please kill her. I hope she get hit by a truck and die. I hate her. 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 Shut up! I'm coming to give something to cry about. Then my pops will start talking. And my pops be fucked up every 4th of July, man, every cookout. Black men like to claim the house when they're drunk. Men, period, I think, man, like to just claim their house. They want you to know if you're drunk, and if they're drunk and you're in their house, that is their house. My father stand up in the middle of the cookout and say, It's my house. <laughs> you know what it is? And if you don't like it, you get the fuck out. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't give a f I pay the motherfucking bills in this motherfucker. And hey, kiss my ass if you don't like it. Yes. Yes, motherfucker, yes. But you know what it is? You know what it is? I'm drunk, so what? Beautiful, I'm drunk. I'm drunk, so what? 
I'm drunk. You know what? I got drunk in my motherfucking kitchen. I, I was drinking out of my glass in my motherfucking house. <laughs> so fuck it. Then he attacked the whole family, right? He said, Gus, Gus, ask the question. Come here. Ask the question, Gus. Gus, let me ask you a question. Gus, why is the fire so big? Why do you make the fire so big, Gus? Look at that shit. It's a motherfucking ridiculous, Gus. The fire's too motherfucking big. Why? You come in here every motherfucking year, Gus, and you burn down my motherfucking backyard. Why? I'm cooking motherfucking hamburgers in Frank's. I'm not cooking a motherfucking Brontosaurus burger in this motherfucker. This ain't the motherfucking Flintstones, Gus. My house, motherfucker. Look at Charlie standing over there with 30 degree burns on him. Eating a motherfucking Frank. It doesn't make sense. No, but you take things too far, Gus. You take things too far. I tell you, go an inch, you go three inches. I tell you, go four inches, you go five. Give a nigga rope, want to be a cowboy, guys. Why don't you listen? Oh, Eddie, get that motherfucking dog away from my plate. I'm gonna shoot this dog. I'm gonna shoot the mother. Shut up. I'm gonna shoot it. Stop crying. Stop crying, Eddie, because you can get the fuck out. You can get the fuck. I know you're seven. I know you're seven. But you'll be a seven-year-old walking the dog, no house motherfucker. You know what? You know what it is? Because it's mine, motherfucker. I hate this motherfucking dog. Because you ask it for the dog, you don't spend time with the dog, Eddie. You don't feed the motherfucker. You don't pet it. You don't even know what the fuck the dog's name is anymore, do you? The dog don't give a fuck. He don't know his name. The dog is three years old, don't know his name. What's this? Coco, where the fuck is it going? The dog's stupid because you don't spend time with the motherfucker. And I'm supposed to work hard all day. I come home and feed the motherfucking dog. Fuck no, I'm not feeding the motherfucker. You know what I do? When nobody's home, you know when nobody's home, you know what I do? I go up to the dog and I kick the motherfucker. <laughs> I kick the motherfucker with everything I got at it. And then I giggle my motherfucking ass off. Because I hate the motherfucker. Because you don't clean up behind it. Why can't you clean up the motherfucker? This ain't Scooby-Doo, motherfucker. Why can't you clean the dog? The dog shits all over the house. If no one tells you, Eddie, you don't clean the shit. You let the shit stay forever. It's shit that been in the den for six months, Eddie. It's been in the den for six months. Your kids go past it, you act like you don't see it. And unless you're told, you won't clean the shit. The shit is hard as a rock now. It's like motherfucking furniture in there. I went in last week to watch the fights. I said, fuck it, I put my drink on top of it, Eddie. It's a coffee table now. Why can't you clean up shit? My friends come over and say, oh, that's lovely. I say, that's not lovely, it's a piece of shit. Because my children don't listen. Then my Aunt Bunny would fall down the steps almost every year. Ever have a heavy set aunt fall down the steps? Make a whole lot of fucking noise. It's scary too, because they be calling Jesus on the way down. And aunts don't like to fall straight down the steps like a kid. They be trying to break the fall and hold it and stop the shit. And that just make the fall take a half hour then. Real loud, you're like, <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, help me, Lord, please, Jesus, please. Jesus, God, help me, Lord, Jesus, help me. I'm falling out of steps, oh, Lord, Jesus Christ, please. My shoe. Oh, Lord, Jesus Christ, help me. I'm halfway down now, help me, Lord, Jesus. What is all that fucking noise?
year, Gus, and you burn down my motherfucker backyard, and your wife rips down the steps. Why? I work hard to get my place beautiful. And then the motherfucker come over and rip the steps down. Look at the motherfucking steps. They fucked up, Gus. Why can't she walk in steps? You know why your wife can't walk in steps? Because she's a fat, hairy bitch. That's why. That's why, Gus. And my children are afraid of your wife. Eddie's afraid of her. He has nightmares about your wife. I went in his room last week, Gus. He was in the bed screaming, crying. I said, oh, help me, help me. I woke up, I shook him, I said, what's wrong? He said, Aunt Bunny is coming to get me. <laughs> He's afraid of your wife because she has a bigger mustache than his father. <laughs> but you know what it is, Gus? I figured out about your wife. And I'm going to say it. And my wife, I'm a, I don't give a fuck what my wife said. She can shut the fuck up. I'm going to tell you something. I figured out about your wife. I know where you met your wife. You told me you met your wife 15 years ago on a motherfucking camping trip and that your wife was Puerto Rican? Your wife ain't no motherfucking Puerto Rican. I thought she was when I first met her, Gus. Because I walk up, I said, hello, it's good to meet you. My name is Vernon. And she said, hello, I'm Bunny. Goonie Google. <laughs> what the fuck does Goonie Google mean, Gus? I don't know what the fuck that shit is to this day. I thought I learned some new Spanish shit. I went up to my friend and said, hey, Sanchez, Goonie Google. And Sanchez said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> So I've been walking around for years confused, and I finally figured out about your wife, where you met your wife. You didn't meet your motherfucking wife on no camping trip. Your wife's a Bigfoot, isn't she, Gus? <laughs> your wife is a Bigfoot, isn't she? That's why the bitch mustache is so motherfucking thick. But you shaved the bitch down and taught her to speak. I know a motherfucking Bigfoot when I see one. Don't bring a Bigfoot in my home, Gus, with my children. The bitch can't talk, she can't walk a flight of steps. She's not trained well, Gus. She cannot walk steps. I bet she climbed the fuck out of a tree, though, don't she, Gus? <laughs> Doesn't she? But you have to not bring her around here. Fuck her. And your motherfucking children, they're big feet, too. They're half Bigfoot, Gus, because the motherfuckers is six years old and have afro 17 inches long. They're little hairy motherfuckers just like their mother. Look at the motherfuckers. You know when I found out that they was Bigfoot? When I realized your wife was a Bigfoot when I took your kids fishing last week. I put the motherfuckers in the boat, Gus, and I took the worm and I put it on the hooks, and they both sat there, and they put the poles down in the motherfucking boat and slammed their face in the water for two minutes. And I think, what the fuck are these kids doing? <laughs> then they start moving their head like this, and the motherfuckers come up with fish. I jumped back and said, can you believe this motherfucking shit? <laughs> then a kid took the fish out of his mouth and looked at his brother and said, Goony Google. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Normal kids don't do shit like that, Gus. But I'm going to tell you something, motherfucker. You can take your motherfucking 
hairy, fat-ass, white mustache bitch out the fuck. You could go upstairs and get the motherfucking dog and scoop up the shit and take Eddie and get these motherfucking long Angela Davis afro-wearing motherfucking kids of yours and put them in the motherfucking Goonie Google mobile and get the fuck out. And if my wife don't like it, she can get the fuck out too. You miss me, bitch. I'm in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This is where Reagan lived. Not far from here. Ron. Hey, Ron, they the ones born. I ain't say shit. I mean, I ain't... Huh? What sucks? Reaganomics sucks? Or tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. It ain't like people sitting around going, really, does it suck? I didn't know. <laughs> That's some scary shit, Reaganomics, man. Shit's changing, though. We got black politicians now. Who's that boy, um, Harold Washington? Harold Washington said, fuck it. And won. I know he's still sitting around going, I really won the motherfucker? <laughs> Jesse Jackson seen that shit and said, fuck it, I'm going to run, too. Fuck it. Jesse, you can win. I see his brothers going, you can win, Jesse, because you bigger than motherfucking Howard Washington. Fuck Howard Washington. Fuck him, man. Run for president. And Jesse going, yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> I seen Jesse in the gym working the fuck out, too, boy, getting in shape. He know if he win, because, you know, he got a chance he can win. His white dudes like to do shit like that and vote for the wrong dude as a goof. <laughs> they get drunk and shit and go in there and say, let's vote for Jesse Jackson. I just voted for Jesse Jackson. The next day, he'd be like this. He fucking won? <laughs> Jesse know that shit can happen. He get in shape. I seen him running around the track and shit. I said, why the fuck you getting in shape like this? He said, because I'm going to be the first black president. I had to get speeches like this. My fellow Americans, as your president, I feel, that we the people must get together and join hands. Are you watching these motherfuckers back here? Because I don't think they're too happy about this shit. <laughs> Doobie going. He won't stand still. <laughs> all right, racism. I ain't hooked up in all that racism shit. My motto is life is just be happy with motherfuckers. I ain't into all that racism shit. Racism ain't as bad as it used to be anyway, man. I mean, it's fucked up, but they don't call niggas niggas no more and shit. White people don't say it, especially when there's niggas around, so I guess I wouldn't know it. <laughs> I went to Texas, though, looking for racism. About two months ago, I had a showdown in Texas, got off the plane and shit, walked up looking for racism, but my friends always told me, you better not go to Texas. They'll fuck you up. And when the mother, my Martin Day brother here, that shit, they'd be like this, what? They ain't fucking nobody up. Brothers act like they couldn't have been slaves back 200 years ago. It ain't like them motherfuckers like that shit. I wish I was a slave. I would fuck somebody up. 
shit. Tell me to bail some motherfucking cotton. I would have been on the street and shit. You would have came up and said, hey, yo, nigga, bail this cotton. Oh, said, suck my dick, master. <laughs> suck my motherfucking dick. That's right, I ain't bailing the motherfucker. It wasn't like that. The first dude that got off the boat said that shit. Bail that cotton. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> Other motherfuckers say, we'll bail the shit. Just keep that shit away. Just keep that fucking shit away from me. I got off the motherfucking plane, walked off, got up, walked up my bag, my all my black shit on, black leather, big ass medallion and shit on like this. Little white dude walked up and said, this your bag? I said, yeah, it's my fucking bag. <laughs> Why, motherfucker? A black man can't have a suitcase? This dude was like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> it wasn't that bad at all. I'm winded. I'm out of breath. I'm sweating and shit. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. the ventriloquist too. Shit ain't as bad as it used to be. All that rich. You know who get it real bad now? Chinese people. They the only ones that be getting fucked over bad. You be teasing them and shit. Ever go in the restaurant and order up some food and Chinese dude be in there and when he leave you go like this. Oh, what you want, what you want. Everybody makes fun of the Chinese when they order some food up and shit. And they nice guys, they be all cordial shit. Alhamdulillah, egg for young and egg for When they leave, you go, I'm okay, I'm okay. Your friends and shit be laughing and he look out, look out the back and say, That food is coming right up. Thank you. That food is coming right up. They probably be in the back watching us go and say, Yes, very funny. Very funny. Make a special wonton soup for him. (laughs) 
wonder if they have like a McDonald's in China. The Chinese people be walking and saying, give me a Big Mac and a strawberry shake, a large order fry and a cherry pie. And they say, a uh, Big Mac, strawberry shake, large order fries, cherry pie, coming right up. And when they leave, Chinese do go, Big Mac and a large order of fries and a cherry pie. <laughs> That's a fucked up language too, Chinese. Hard to learn. I want to learn how to speak Spanish. That's the shit. You know what I really learned how to speak? I'd like to learn how to speak French, because that's some cool shit, French. You can say, I got a shit in French, it'll sound good. Just, what is in that white ass yeah, poo poo. <laughs> oh, oh. Just sound good, man. I don't like that shit, that Arabic that the motherfuckers be speaking in the 7 Eleven. That shit fuck with me. Sound nasty and shit. We're getting all this. The hawking, the hawking, the hawking, and my, but the hawking. That's a word in Arabic. That means some shit to them. Maybe walking out to you. Can I have a ham and cheese hero? The hawking, the hawking, the. Never mind, man. I don't want no hawking on my bread, motherfucker. That's right. Spanish, the language. You know, I want to learn how to speak Spanish, but I was always a Ricky Ricardo buff. I thought he would, when he would get mad at Lucy and be saying, curse it. I said, go on, Ricky, curse the bitch out. <laughs> Ricky would lose his mind. Ricky was cool and shit. For the 50s, Desi Arnaz, Ricky Ricardo was a cool motherfucker. He had his baggies on and pointy shoes and the club Babalu and shit. <laughs> My heart, son, the courage. He's for hire, senora. But yes, as long as you desire, senorita, we're gonna ride for Gitte Manana and come to Havana with me. And my Cuban family. Remember that shit? You be sitting there like this. He had a cool ass laugh too. I would like them to go, Ridiculous! <laughs> hey, Fred, how would you like to fuck me up the ass? <laughs> the TV is all screwed up. Any kids here? I mean, little kids. I know a lot of people bring their little kids down here. How old are you, man? How old? 30. Oh, you're gonna be fucked up when you leave. <laughs> Dad, what's a dick? What is that? How old's the other dude right there? Oh, y'all fucked up now. Y'all thought I would be going like this. Okay, and all that shit, right? You ain't know I'd be saying, how dick is this big? <laughs> Kids gonna be waking up like this. The Negro's dicks are coming to get me, Mom! I'm gonna tell y'all a little joke y'all can tell in school, all right? Because I've been telling this dirty stuff. Okay? Here's a little joke for y'all. Y'all can listen to it, too. But I know lots of times people see my show, then go to work and try to tell my act and fuck my jokes up on the job and shit. And, he said, and then he said, Goonie Google. And he had a G.I. Joe up his ass. Hey, 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 I'm Mr. T. I'll rip your cock off with my ass. And dude be standing going, yeah, that's very funny shit. Here's a joke that you can tell down at school when school starts. Everybody be quiet now. Are you listening, guys? 
a bear and a rabbit are taking a shit in the woods. And the bear turns to the rabbit and says, excuse me, do you have problems with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says, no. So the bear wiped his ass with the rabbit. I like that joke. <laughs> oh, shit. Anybody got cable? I've been watching a lot of cable lately because I'm so mad at The only good show on TV now is Star Trek. That's some good shit. I like Captain Kirk and shit. Captain Kirk will fuck anybody. I seen him beam down to a planet. Ever see that episode where he fucked this green bitch? You gotta be a horny motherfucker to fuck a green bitch. I mean, I ain't no racist, but if the bitch is green, there's something wrong with the pussy. He be fucking the music, be going. Shit be getting all fucked up. Mr. Scott, I like him. He made me laugh. He never cool and shit. He's the opposite of Spock. The shit be all fucked up. And Mr. Scott say, Captain, my ship can't take much more of this, sir. She's about to blow. Let Spock handle it. And Spock say, uh, Mr. Scott, why don't you take the phasers and point them at the dilithium crystals and point them phasers at them and use the power from the phasers to regenerate the dilithium crystals and we can get out on impulse power. Mr. Spock! It just might work, sir. This shit worked last week, motherfucker. <laughs> I got fed up with TV and shit, because I've seen all the Star Treks. I started watching cable. I've been watching, I was watching Poltergeist last month. I got a question. Why don't white people just leave the house when there's a ghost in the house? <laughs> Y'all stay in the house too fucking long. Get the fuck out of the house. Very simple. It's a ghost in the house. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and not only did they stay in the motherfucking house and pull the guys, they invited more white people over. <laughs> Sitting around going, our daughter Carol Ann's in the television set. I would have been gone. If I had a daughter been down the precinct saying, look, man, um, I went home and my fucking daughter's in the TV set and shit, so I just fucking left. Um, you can have all that shit. I ain't going to back, back to the motherfucker. And, um, I just came down so when she ain't up at school, you th don't think I killed the bitch or nothing like that. But she is inside the TV set. You can have all that shit. Like it. Uh, Mr. Murphy, didn't you try to save your daughter? Yeah, I'm a man and shit. I tried to save. I turned the channel. The shit didn't work. I got the fuck out. Leave. The kid was only six years old in the movie. They couldn't have been too attached to her. Leave. In the Amityville Horror, the ghost told them to get out the house. White people stayed in there. Now, that's a hit and a half for your ass. A ghost say, get the fuck out. I would just tip the fuck out the door. They walked and looked in the toilet bowl. Was blood in the toilet? I said, that's peculiar. <laughs> I would have been in the house and said, oh, baby, this is beautiful. We got a chandelier hanging up here, kids outside playing. It's a beautiful neighborhood. We ain't got nothing to wear. I really love them. This is really nice. Get out. Too bad we can't stay, baby. <laughs> You know, I want to say something. You know, like, I think maybe like 
30 years ago, there was a woman that wanted to sing in it, a black lady that sang opera, that wanted to sing, what was her name? Mary Anderson. And this place was, was like segregated and they couldn't sing here. And she couldn't sing in the place. And here, here we are, like, you know, not even 50 years later, a 22-year-old black man on stage getting paid to hold his dick. God bless America. I gotta go now. Y'all take it easy. Bye-bye. I'm talking, motherfucker. Because this is buckwheat right here, motherfucker. This is buckwheat. This is buck on this side and wheat on this side. And the long one in the middle is alfalfa, goddammit. This is our gang right the fuck here. Keep your motherfucking mouth shut. Motherfuckers will scream shit out in the middle of, be in the middle of a bit. We recording HBO shit and the album shit, and you gonna fuck it up by screaming some shit out. You motherfucker. <laughs> oh, y'all wanna fuck with me? But I'll walk off and leave you motherfuckers sitting there going, fuck we. We was just playing. <laughs> People just be going like this. I'm sweating and shit. Y'all ain't know I was a ventriloquist, too. (laughs) 
was a brother, too. You can tell what brothers be Shut up, bitch! <laughs> we just curse different and shit. The white dude was like, come on, bitch, be quiet, shit. Come on, I'm watching a fucking show, all right? Jesus, can you be quiet for a fucking minute? Come on! Hey, man, that's my lady. Fuck you, man. Fuck you. That's just different. We get we real solid on our curses. Brother just say, fuck you. Fuck you, man. <laughs> I'll fuck you up. Hey, now, I don't want to fight or anything like that. Just the line you use on your skinny, or skinny white dudes, you could use that. I'll fuck you up. They go, hey, now, watch it. Now. I don't want <laughs> Italians don't play that shit, though, boy. Italians are crazy white people. They think they can beat black people. They hold their dicks more than black people. I'm afraid of them. <laughs> Italian dude, you say, like, I'll fuck you up, Italian dude. Get the fuck out of here, man. What the fuck, bro? It's right here. Right here, all right? All right, it's right here, you fucking moolin, ya son of a bitch. It's right the fuck here. Get the fuck out of here. Then you had to really fuck them up. You're like, hey, motherfucker, who you think I am? Sid. Anybody have a fight recently? I can't fight, man. I'll, be, I'll run the motherfucker over, though, quick. <laughs> I couldn't fight when I was little. I was one of those dudes who used to get followed home by the whole school. You know how when you be fighting, the whole school be like this? Kick his ass! Fuck him up! Fuck him up! Hit him! Hit him! Fuck him up! All the way home and shit. And you be walking, getting punched in the back of your head like this? I'm not gonna fight you. <laughs> Stop! What you gonna do? 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 I'm not gonna fight you. I'm not gonna fight you. I'm not gonna fight you. I'm going home. You don't live that way. Stop! That was me and shit. I wish I had a gun when I was little. I whipped that shit. Be a little six-year-old with a gun saying, back the fuck up. Papa tapping somebody and shit. That calm motherfuckers down when you shoot him. They want to fight, you say, Never mind, fuck it. How you doing, man? I'm wonderful. Yeah, you are definitely blessed. How's the definitely. family? Wonderful, everybody's wonderful. That's great, Yeah, that's great. Any of your kids thinking about show business at this point? Uh, not at this point. Yeah. At this point, every now and then somebody would, my son a couple of years ago was like, I want to do something, I want to act. I'm like, if you want to act, you, you'll want to act when you're 18. You know, wait till you get grown. Because uh, it's a really short list of people that started acting when they were young that you know are still around. <laughs> they're, they're around, they're in therapy. <laughs> With the exception of Ron Howard and Kurt Russell. Everybody else is pretty fucked up. <laughs> you start acting now, yeah, you're you guaranteed, guaranteed a cable special. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> that, you know, that's good advice you gave him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but you know what? You were right there on the cusp, but right there at 18. Well, your stand-up, your stand-up started when you were, what, 13, 14 years old? 15 when I started doing stand-up, but not in the public. I wasn't, I got known from Saturday Night Live before I did stand-up. They didn't know I did stand-up till like, you know, two, three years of seeing me on SNL. Then I popped up on HBO. Right. But they didn't know me from stand-up when I was younger. Yeah. And what drew you to stand-up comedy? Richard Pryor. Yeah. I had a sense of humor, and I saw, uh, the, uh, 
That Nigga's Crazy album. Oh, yeah. I heard that album and uh, back in 74 or 5 or 6. And uh, that just became, I remember being in the basement and listening to that record and over and over again. Because that's back when you're not supposed to listen to the dirty records. Right. You listen to the dirty records over and over again. I was like, wow, that's, that's, who, that's what I am. I want to be that. Right. Yeah, the album cover was funny when they had them, you know, all tied up and they that's were. That's a that's a was it something I said? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that nigga's crazy doing something like that. It's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something I said. <laughs> something I said. Yeah, burn him or something. <laughs> we're gonna burn him at the stake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good, man. Any other influences for you? Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby. You know, when I was a kid, those were, uh, and still as an adult, those are still two of my favorite comedians. Richard's my favorite comedian, and Rich and Bill Cosby said. Great genius, his comic genius. So, I grew up, you know, looking at and admiring those two guys. And as I got older, you know, I started getting into Carlin and other people. But uh, right. when I was growing up, it was mostly those two guys. Yeah. What do you think made them so special? Uh, Richard is a brilliant, brilliant mind and just the genius of comedy. And and Bill Cosby's a brilliant genius storyteller. Yeah. You know, two different, total different sides of the spectrum, but both genius. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and Cosby so prolific. I mean, just hours and hours, and just simply sharing his life. Yeah, just uh, just one of the great geniuses of the art form, Bill yeah. Cosby. Absolutely. You remember one of your first comedy routines? Yeah, but they're pretty atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> I came across a, 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 a little thing. You know, you write what you're gonna do. Yeah. The bitch, you know, gonna go do this. I found this thing once, and one of my bits was called. Eating boogers. <laughs> so it's like, I'm gonna come out, and I'm gonna do Ali, then I'm gonna do Muhammad Ali, then I'm gonna do, then I'm gonna do, it said eating boogers in parentheses, it said a must. <laughs> like that was my killer bit, <laughs> my eating booger bit. I'm closing with that yeah, one. I'm gonna close with eating boogers, it brings the house down. <laughs> All right, that was the first routine, about 14 or so. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah. Now, at what point did you realize I'm funny? I'm really. I've got something here. Well, there's two different revelations. Uh -huh. I'm funny and I've got something that came at two different times. Right. Uh, I was I knew I was funny really, really early on. In my house, it's really funny. My mother, my brothers, my father, everybody has a sense of humor. And I was a funny around the house. And then I became funny around my little group of friends. So I knew really early on that if I was trying to do something funny, I could get a reaction from it. And. Uh, after I got on the stage and started doing stand-up when I was around 15, and I would see the reaction, that's when it was like, hey, I, this, there's something, I got something here. Right, yeah. and then you started to hone it. I started to do it. Yeah. I didn't know if I was honing it. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it as much as possible. You remember your first night on stage? Yeah, I was at a place called uh, Mr. Hicks Place. The first place I did stand-up as a grown, uh, stand the first place I ever did stand-up period is the the, the Roosevelt Youth Center when I'm 15. I remember that. But the first place we was a grown-up, in front of grown-up people, I'm 15 as well, it was a bar called Mr. Hicks Place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they used to have gong show night. Remember they used to have the gong right. show? Right. And all the little bars was having gong show nights. All the local, you know, talents going up to gong, getting gonged at the bars and stuff. And you could win like $25. My brother was like, go do Stevie Wonder impression at the gong show night. You could win that money. <laughs> <laughs> so I went down to Mr. Hicks' place, 
And I, back when I started, I did mostly impressions. I do like all voices, like Ali and Cosell. Back then, Ali was, that's how long I've been doing stand-up. Ali was the champ when I started, okay? <laughs> Ali was the champ, and Jimmy Carter was the president. It was, I had a Jimmy Carter impression, and Ali had all this really weird stuff. <laughs> Can you still do them? I'm not gonna try. <laughs> I'm not gonna try. But I had all of this stuff that I would do. And uh, so I went down to Mr. Hicks' place to do, these vo to do my Stevie Wonder impression, win that money. And uh, that's how I started doing it up regularly. Yeah. I lost, incidentally. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you. You didn't get the 25 bucks? And some dude one up, <laughs> came up. They had a live band there. And the guy won the, uh, if you got the time, if you got the beer, Miller beer. Miller beer. Remember the Miller? Yeah. If you got the time, right. we got the beer. Right. Beer. Okay, this fucker gets on stage, right? <laughs> and we're in Mr. Hicks' place, and he's singing, if you got the time, we got the... He's a great voice, Miller beer. He doesn't say, he says, so if you got the time, Mr. Hicks has got the beer. When he said Mr. Hicks and replaced Miller time with Mr. Hicks's name, right. the fucking roof came through. <laughs> It was like Mr. Hicks, ah, yeah. Like, There's no way you could follow that. And I lost. You lost. I lost to that guy. Yeah. And he didn't say Mr. Hicks has got the beer. He hit. He said Mr. Hicks have got the beer. He said so. If you got the time, Mr. Hicks have got the beer. Roof caves in. He gets the twenty-five dollars. <laughs> Mr. Hicks sells more beer. Mr. Hicks sold a round of beer on every plank. Everybody around the beer. And you walked home. I walked home. <laughs> and your brother's like, did you get the money? Nah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Mr. Hicks have got the beer. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little detail. It's the little detail. <laughs> that last split a verb if you want to win that money. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought you're going to lose to a guy singing about beer. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hicks. Mr. Hicks. <laughs> but the good thing about that, there was a guy named Steve Love in the audience that night. And he owned a place called the Dolphins Cove down the road. Right. And he was like, uh, how long can you stay on stage? And I said, I don't know. And he said, I'll give, you a I'll give you a dollar for every minute you can stay on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so I started playing his place down the road. And that made me start writing more. It was like, I only had like, you know, five minutes. It was like, every time I could get on this, if I get on the stage 15 minutes, I get $15. Right. You know. So it was like, I was writing, trying to come up with stuff. Because <laughs> if you go do five minutes, five minutes seems like a really long time if you're just starting out doing stand-up. It is a long time. But yeah, but it ain't a lot of money afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> all that money and sweat and shit, and you come off, you got five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of stress yeah, for five dollars. <laughs> yeah, barely paid for the bus fare. <laughs> no bus fare. We was walking to the gig back then. Yeah. Yeah. Dolphins Cove was on Nassau Road, about a mile, a mile and a half from my house. So I used to walk to the. Walk to the gig. <laughs> <laughs> Just walk on up Just there, get up the five dollars. Get the five dollars and walk back. When I come back in about two months, I'm gonna be up to like twenty minutes. Yeah, I never got to twenty minutes. I got as much as fifteen minutes. I got. Is that right? Back then, yeah. When I was like fifteen, sixteen years old, I had like fifteen minutes, and I would get fifteen dollars. <laughs> Who'd you try your material on? The audience. Just, just go try it out the club. Not at home. Uh uh. So you went straight to the stage. Yeah, well, you know, the, the mirror, the mirror <laughs> from the mirror to the stage. Right. Acting-wise, who were some of your influences? You know, I never had any acting influences. You know, the only actor I ever tried to copy off of ever, ever, is <laughs> you would never. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what it is, and now I'll tell you, you'll be able to see it. The only actor I've ever tried to copy off of was Bruce Lee. Bruce? And that's because when I did an action, when the first movie I did where I was supposed to be mad, 
and I was supposed to do action. I had no reference in 48 hours. It's like, okay, you're coming down this room and you're, and you're mad, or you're coming down this alley. It's a scene in 48 hours where I'm coming down the alley and it's all this neon and I'm supposed to be, you know, intense and I had no reference. I do my Bruce Lee impression and I still do it to this day. When I'm mad on screen, if I pull a gun out, I'm doing, it may not look like Bruce Lee because I look nothing like him, but, I mean, <laughs> but on the inside, it's all my face and stuff, all the shit I'm doing with my eyes. When I get mad, it's all my Bruce Lee impression. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see, that's something no it's one It's a total, total, it looks, it's a great person to steal from because no one ever has ever watched a movie and said, He's doing Bruce Lee. <laughs> he's doing Bruce Lee. Because he's a karate guy. And I'm like, not his karate, what he did with his eyes, how he could communicate with his eyes, and what he did with his face. Right. You know, that's, right. What, that's what I was trying to steal. Yeah, you're a big fan of martial arts. Big, big fan. Yeah. And boxing fan. Well, my, that's, I'm the bigger fan of boxing. My dad boxed professionally, and I grew up around it. And, and whenever, whenever there's a fight, you know, I'm in front of the TV screen. I watch two bums fight though at four in the morning, or, you know, <laughs> some channels, some cable channel, be two bums like this, and I watch. I be kicking his ass, ain't it? I watch any fight. <laughs> Your favorite fight of all time? My, the the all-time great fight of all time is Ali Frazier one. Okay. Because it has, you know, for me, it's not just two guys getting in there fighting. It's all this other stuff that comes into play, you know. The, just the science of boxing and the styles meeting up, but Muhammad Ali brought theater to it, so it's all this theater, like, you know, it's all this, it's a show, his presence and the whole, just at this nothing like that sporting event. Right. That that one, it just sticks out. Yeah. Let's talk about Delirious. Yeah. Tell us, about, tell, give me your thoughts about Delirious, you know, in terms of when you were, when you did it. And I remember, I remember when you first did, what year was it, 82? 83 or 83, 82, way back. Yeah. Yeah. So Delirious. 82. 80, early 80s. Uh, yeah, early 80s. Yeah. So talk about Delirious. Well, when I did Delirious, the only, uh, uh, the only reference I had for uh, the, that type of show was Richard's uh, In Concert, where he had done that, you know, all that stuff about uh, uh, in the woods and, you know, having, a heart, having a heart attack, all this brilliant, brilliant stuff. That was my only reference. And, Back then, HBO was new, you know, it was no HBO specials and all that stuff was new. Like, when Delirious came out, it was this big controversial thing because of language and subject matter and all. If you look at it now, it's, and look at it, compared to the stuff that they're doing now, it's like, but when it came out, it was like, oh, I can't, can, the language, the language. It's like, oh, it's like, it's like, when you ever watch when the Beatles, the footage of the Beatles when they came out, and the stuff that they were saying about the Beatles. It was wild rock and rollers. And you look at them now, they got suits on and ties. And it was all their long hair rockers. It's like these guys had ties on, <laughs> bowing at the same time, you know? And it's a lot like that when I look at Delirious and that it's like Delirious is harmless. But back then, you know, it right. was really controversial. Yeah. What was controversial? What it's is language and subject matter. It's talked about a bunch of stuff that hadn't been talked about and dealt with a bunch of things that. You know, things you never said. No one had ever said anything about Michael Jackson before. And no one had ever mentioned AIDS before. And no one had ever mentioned a bunch of different things that I was just saying. You know, so it was, oh, how can he say that in that language? And, oh, there was a lot of that going on, you know. Right. Some of your favorite routines on that? On Delirious? My, uh, the, the, my favorite routine. I think the classic bits. You know, lots of times, the way I use it, lots of times, a com somebody will see a comedian, they'll be like, oh, I saw so-and-so's act. He was hysterical. I just saw him. I said, really, what, what did he talk about? What would, 
No, I don't know. He did something about you know, something. I said, well, give me just one of his bits, just one bit, and they can't give a bit. And if you saw a good show, you could go, oh, they did that bit about that, and they did that bit about that, and they did a bit about that. And the lyrics it has bits like ice cream bit stands out, the ice cream man, and the goonie goo goo, all that stuff would go in the cookout, my father, and the singing thing, all the stuff with the singers and all that stuff. All that stuff kind of stands out. Yeah, ice cream man. Yeah. Yeah. That's my. Uh, one of my favorite little routines of mine. Because that's one that everybody can relate to. It's like, no matter where you come from, if you grew up in America, you know. Yeah. You heard the ice cream man, and you know what that routine is. Yeah. And your father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a little drunk, acting up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, what drove you to, to talk about those subjects at that time? AIDS? You know, that Mike. was just the stuff that was going on. That's the stuff. AIDS was new. And people didn't know about it. It was the stuff that was in the paper. You know, a comedian talks about the stuff that's going on in the, in the world around him, and that was the stuff that was in the world around me. You know? Yeah. And you took a lot of pressure for that. You know, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but it was part of it. It was a different time. I remember they used to pick at the show, and <laughs> they used to do all <laughs> kinds of stuff. But, uh, you know. They used to pick at your show when you went on tour? Oh, yeah, I've been picketed. I've been picketed. That's because, you know. I just to talk about everything back when they weren't talking about anything. So if you said anything, you said anything about gays, you had the gay people at your show. Like, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, anything you said, anything about, they would pick it. You know, and then there was a thing back in the day where it was a, uh, uh, it was almost like a, uh, if there was any type of controversy with anything, there was somebody would always pop up and be the spokesperson for it and be on the news talking about, no, we feel this is wrong, and it would just take it and go and <laughs> <laughs> for anything. I remember I did a movie once where I, I did Harlem Nights, and uh, because we shot Harlem Nights in L.A., mm -hmm. the people of Harlem was going, it is wrong, it is wrong, <laughs> is that picketing me, you know? So, like, what is a movie? He should shoot it here. He should shoot it here. But you don't shoot movies in Harlem. You shoot them in Hollywood. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're like, what, 20 years old, and people are on the news, you know, protesting you and about your routines. And you, what are you thinking at this point? I'm thinking, I'm hot. I've got some heat, huh? <laughs> they're, they're tripping. I never paid any of that stuff any mind. It's always a small... A group of people or an individual or somebody that was, you know, I always felt like somebody wanted to be on TV or something anyway, so they were taking a shot. And it was part of it for what I was doing, what I was doing. It just came with it. Right. So I never, you know, I never got any, felt any way about it. It was like, okay, this is what they're talking about now. Cool. Right. You know, it's so funny. Everybody remembers that special, knows this special, and everybody always talks about it's It's their favorite special. Do you get that from people walking up to you and talking to you about it? Yeah, you know, and I always say, oh, if someone tells me it's their favorite, I'd be always going, did you ever see Richards in concert? Right. Because for me, that's the best, I mean, even if, if, you're, if you're studying the art form, that's the best, okay, you, you want him to be a stand-up comic, you want to see what the art form is, you take Richards in concert, where he's got on that red shirt and the black pants and the gold shoes, the whole, I can't breathe. I think the album was called Wanted. Right. But the, in, it's called In Concert, and that's the single greatest stand-up performance ever captured on film. It's like, okay, well, here's the ceiling. This is the best that it's ever been done. Then Mr. Cosby has a bunch of things, a bunch of albums and a couple of shows that they captured that you can put on to watch. But uh, 
but uh, Richard's uh, in concert is the best. So when anybody comes up to me, oh, Delirious is the best I ever think. Like, hey, this is this is the root of Delirious, you know. Right. You're looking at the leaves, look at the root of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kunta can't touch. <laughs> Hold him up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, what was up with the red leather outfit? You know, the red leather out outfit happened uh, uh, as an accident. Whatever I was supposed to wear that night got messed up, <laughs> and I went to the mall just to get something, and that suit, the pants don't even go with the jacket. It's like this two different color reds. That's how much of a fuck I didn't care back then. <laughs> I'm going to go do my HBO special. I said, this is, give me crimson and fire engine. Ain't nobody going to know. And put it on. <laughs> went out there. One is crimson and one is fire engine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for two decades, people have been talking about that red leather outfit, and that was nothing uh -huh. but an One accident. was crimson and one was, one was uh, fire engine. It was a last-minute thing that happened. And you shot it where? In uh, D.C.? We shot it at the, uh, ooh. Constitution, Constitution Hall, Hall yeah. In DC? Yeah. Yeah. So you went to the mall and said, I need an outfit. I just went to the mall and was shopping and said, this red leather jacket and, and these pants. And someone said, those pants are crimson and the jacket, the jacket is fire engine. I said, hey, <laughs> man, get out of here. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to see that shit. And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the gloves and the, what was up with The this? gloves was an afterthought. You know what I used to do was even worse than the gloves. I would put a ring on the outside. Of the what was up with that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the scary thing is that, that they captured it on film. <laughs> See, that's the paradox of getting started really young. Is that you know it's like you know you go, it's like going through your old photo album and you see a yearbook. You know, it's like that. I have a lot of stuff that the year the yearbook photo stuff. My all that shit is documented. <laughs> you know, all my crazy outfits and shit. All documented. Red leather outfit. Red leather outfit, leather gloves with a ring on the outside. Put a ring on the outside and a belt. You know, oh yeah, get in the mirror. Oh yeah, they ready now. <laughs> yeah, wait till they see this. <laughs> All of it just a fluke and everybody's not that's hey, But hot. it worked. It worked though. Yeah. For a time. Yeah, yeah everybody was like, that's hot. Did you see Eddie? And everybody's walking around red leather pants. Yeah, for a minute they was all in leather. Yeah. Silly. Yeah, and, what, and don't, don't you think don't you think it was a little hot performing up there for about an hour and a half in red leather outfit? But that's part of it, though. You know, you're getting the sweat on, you're sweating, you're telling jokes, and the sweat is dripping. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. I, back then, I used to have the chicks, girls used to be coming to the show and stuff. The comics didn't have girls at the show. Girls was at the show screaming and shit. <laughs> I got a leather suit on. <laughs> yeah, tell them jokes, Eddie. <laughs> like I was singing. <laughs> Ooh, that's funny, Eddie. <laughs> Where's the party after the show? He was funny as a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go to the after party in the red leather outfit? Always. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> now, do you miss doing stand-up? Uh... Sometimes I get the little thing like, you know, and then I'll go down to the clubs and I'll see what's going on. Then I'll be like, yeah, I got to do it again. Then I'll, it's, it, it's one, it depends on when you catch me. One day I'll be, yeah, I'm doing it again. And sometimes I never want to go touch it again. Why? Because there's something cool about where I left it. There's something cool about, you know, I stopped doing stand-up when I was 26, 27 and didn't do it anymore. It's like at the height of it. 
to not do it. It's something now because cool only cool because I have other things that I could do. You know, I can make these movies and stuff. If, if, if there's something cool, it's something cool about not doing it. It'd be like if Jimi Hendrix didn't die. You know, he just said, "I'm not playing guitar anymore." And you're like, what? He said, yeah, I'm going to go over here and dance. And you're like, hey, play the guitar. Said, no, I'm dancing. <laughs> like, play your fucking guitar. Nope. It's kind of like that. It's like, do stand-up, motherfucker. That's what you are. Nope. Making these movies. <laughs> do stand-up. Nope, I'm Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> do stand-up. Nope, talking to this dog. <laughs> talking to this <laughs> dog. Talking to this dog over here. But once you're a stand-up, you're always a stand-up. Always a stand-up. So you're never, it never went, it never went away. Right. It you're never doing, went away. So you're doing it for the, for the kids, for the family, uh, doing it, for the fa know, yeah, for friends. Yeah, and uh, it's just who you are. I just never, it, first of all, there's so much work involved, especially if you haven't done stand-up in a while. It's not like you just jump out there and start flying again. You really, really, really started, you know, level one again. You got to go all the way back to when you was 15. You got no joke. You don't know if your joke works. You gotta get. I don't care how funny you are, or how much you got, or whatever. When you get your ass out after the, hey, after the initial, oh, Eddie, ooh, oh, that's just making it worse because these people are expecting to see some shit. They go, yeah, Eddie, all right. <laughs> that shit died down. You just on stage like this. <sighs> so, where you from? You have no act, you know. So all of that, just getting past that. And then getting a routine and just getting, you know, trying to work all the your life's experiences from the last 15, 20 years into something that makes sense. And it's just a whole lot of work that would have to go into. It's like a year and a half, two years of being, got to be in a club for a year before I could go on tour or do something, get my shit right. I have to be in the clubs three, four times a week working my shit. And it's just so much work. It's like, you know. Right. Whenever I look at the workload, it's like, oh, no. Right, right. And also, I remember, because you and I have known each other since we were about 19 years when old. I, when I first came to Hollywood, one of the first people I wanted to meet was Byron Allen, because he was on Real People, and we were the same age. I had read about him in Right On Magazine. I was like, <laughs> we're the same age. He's a comedian, too. <laughs> you and uh, the girl from uh, that played in, uh, what was the TV show, Fame? Oh, Irene Cara. No, not her, the TV show. Oh. It was a TV show, and then there was the other one that was, uh, what's her name? Ugh. You know what? You saw me on The Tonight Show, and then that was it. You were like, boom. That was it. You, you told me you'd seen me on The Tonight yeah. Show. You yeah. You and Keenan. Yeah. And I was like, he's our age. <laughs> uh, and Christy McNichol. That's why. So don't ask me why. <laughs> Christy McNichol. I was like, where is she? Back then, I was like, hey, she's kind of cute, Christy. <laughs> Christy McNichol. Yeah. And the other thing I know, before you went on stage, you paid a lot of attention to your hairdo. I did? Yeah, your hair. Your hair had to be right. I didn't know. You didn't remember? <laughs> I shaved it all off, shaved it low. Now you don't even remember now. See, you were like losing it over your hair. But I used to put a lot of chemicals and shit in my hair. Yeah. Then to make it straight. Yeah. So I had to keep it main. You know, when you do that stuff, your hair be. This is before the jerry curl and all that shit. I was doing it in the kitchen sink, <laughs> kitchen sink perms, and they're really high maintenance, <laughs> a high maintenance hairstyle. You, know, you go like this in your head, <laughs> you just turn it. <laughs> you turn your head, turn juice your went head. everywhere. Shit spikes and shit dripping. You could smell your hairdo. No, it wasn't jerry curl, it was grease. Yeah. It didn't smell like uh, that jerry curl stuff. It had a greasy, lots of grease. Right. Yeah. We first met at the comedy store. You, just, you, I'll never forget this. You had come out to L.A. for a fitting for 48 hours. Mm. 
and you were like, yeah, I'm out here for a fitting for this movie, 48 Hours. And he said, you know, I had to, I, he said, I had to do a fitting for these Armani suits. Have you heard of this guy, Armani? Have you heard of this guy, Armani? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were like, we were like 19 years old. <laughs> and you said, probably was like, no, Armani. I don't know who it is. Right? <laughs> and, then was, and then I'll never forget this. He said, you know, you said, the thing I love about the movie business, he goes, he said, I'm going to keep this suit. <laughs> I did keep that suit. I know you did. You told me that. You said, you, go, you said, I am keeping this suit. I keep the suits for most of the, I'll keep something for most of the films. You yeah. Know? If the suit's clothes fit, I take it. In fact, for years, that's how I was, my clothes was from all from the movies. Right. I had to stop doing it, though. So, right. Because, you know, some of that shit ain't fly. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, and the other thing you said, and you said Byron movies are great. You said they give you a per diem. He goes, now some of these other guys, they snorted. He goes, you said, I don't do drugs. I'm keeping the cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those times have changed. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm shooting up my per diem just like the rest of them. <laughs> just shooting them up. And then you're about, and you were excited because you had just picked up a Datsun 280ZX. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that right? And, yeah. you, and you had put in a super speaker. You were trying to describe the sound system, but yeah, basically right. you said, I'm thumping all the way down the street. Yeah, I always have too many speakers in my car. Right. When I was young. Yeah. And that's why I'm deaf now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we, we, this is it. Delirious is it. We can't get you back on stage to crank out another hour, huh? I can't say that I'm not going back. I told my mother that, uh, uh, I might do it. And if I say I might to my mother, there's a possibility. She said, Ma, you know, I think I might do it. Yeah. There has to be some there has to be a reason to just, I can't just pop up out there being doing stand-up again. Something has to be going on or something, you know, has to happen. The right moment. The right moment hasn't presented itself. Right now it's uh it's a weirdness and the whole scene is weird now. Yeah. But, stand ups. But there's twenty years you haven't talked about it with us. You know, there's 20 years. Yeah, I know. I yeah, know. having kids. I mean, so much having kids, being married, all that stuff is a bunch of stuff. You know, just ups and downs in your career and your personal life. There's so many different areas to touch on. It's just you know, saying looking at this big stack of experiences and going, now how do I get all that into an hour and a half? And I know if I do it, it's going to be something special. It's just so much shit. Yeah, and make and it's hard. That's that. That's like going in back. It's like being in the army. That was like being on the front line. If you're doing stand up, then you go to where you're a general, and yeah. they go, "Hey, go back on the front line again." It's like what? It's like I can sit in the office and do these movies. <laughs> go no, on the front line. I don't think so. Yeah, and, and, and Mr. T, did you ever hear from Mr. T about your routine on him? Never, never. Was he mad? No, I don't know. If you, I assume. I pity the fool. What about Michael Jackson? I, pity, I know Michael Jackson. I pity the fool. <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson was never upset. We became friends. We were friends. We were always cool with each other. Yeah. He never got upset. Yeah. This brother Jermaine once got mad though. Did he really? Yes. No. He said, "I don't like them jokes you do about my brother." <laughs> and I, I was like, hey, "Are you kidding?" He said, "No, I'm serious." And I was like, "Nigga, you better be joking." <laughs> and that was the end of it. <laughs> that was. 20-something years ago. He was half-joking, and I never, I never was, how can I put it? I never, uh, 
my stuff was never, my stuff with, about Michael was never, like now you hear some stuff, they'll be talking about Michael and it'd be like really mean, just mean, crazy. I talked about how, you know, his voice, you know, and how he's not the most masculine singer and all that. Just to, Even Michael was, thought it was funny. Right. Michael told me that he watched that with his mom and he thought it was funny. Right, right. You know. But you were out there, Ralph Cramden. Oh yeah, there was a rumor. <laughs> there was a rumor with the, in the club for years that uh, that Gleason wrote me a note because I used to do this routine about Norton that Ralph wanted Norton to fuck him or something, you know. And it was a rumor in the clubs that Gleason heard the bit and he and he wrote me a note that said, uh, "Murphy, stop, Gleason." <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was real. All right, your worst night on stage. My worst night on stage. My worst night on stage ever was at a little club. <laughs> was a little club called Gerald's uh, back in the 70s. It was a little jazz club. And I was uh, maybe 16, 17 years old. And I was supposed to do two sets. And I went up to the Gerald was sitting up at the bar, bald guy with his mustache, you know. And I was supposed to get $50. I said, hey, yeah, I'm the comedian. I'm Eddie Murphy. I'm from Long Island. He said, okay, brother, here's what you're going to do when the band goes off. The first set, you're going to go up and you're going to do your thing. Then they're going to take a break, and you come back, and you do your second set. That's all right, cool. So I'm sitting there, and the band's playing. All right, we're going to take a little break now. We're going to bring up a comedian from Roosevelt, Long Island. Come on, give it up, Mr. Eddie Murphy. I go up, and I'm uh, the worst set ever. Like, the biggest laugh I got was you know, somebody in the back says, <laughs> That's a huge laugh. It's horrible. You know how when you bombing, you start trying to go faster and get your last bit. I was like, okay, I gotta do eating my eating boogers bit now. <laughs> so I did eating boogers. I go back to eating, eating boogers didn't work. You know, people's doing nothing was working, nothing when they, and you start when you're bombing on stage. I don't know if you've had this. Do you get real hot back here? Oh yeah. You get a hot. It gets real, real hot in your neck and ear area. So my neck and ears are hot, and the audience is going. And you see, instead of getting last, I'm seeing people going like this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you hear somebody, somebody in the back say, "Mr. DJ," <laughs> like put the music on. <laughs> <laughs> so I do my set. Or what, what, what it's supposed to be my set, and I leave right. And now it's a, the club is maybe a little bigger than this place. It's not like you have a dressing room. You have to bomb. Then you have to go sit in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so you sit in the audience after you bomb. You're like sitting there, and people are like mulling around. Like a guy comes, okay, that's the comedian. We're gonna take a little break. We we'll back a bit. I go sit down, and people are like, you know, anyway, motherfucker over there. Like, yeah, I'm 16. I'm traumatized in the club. You know. Then uh, the band plays. I'm still sitting there. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little break again. We're going to bring back that comedian. You hear people, oh, no, hell no. <laughs> then I had to go up, and I did. Because I was bombing, I did everything for my whole half hour. I did it all in the first 15 minutes. I had to go up and try to like make up stuff now. So I go up and I'm improvising stuff. Worse than the first set. <laughs> and after the show, I go to the bar. And Gerald is sitting there, his legs is crossed. And I say, uh, excuse me, I'm supposed to get uh, $50? And he looked over his shoulder and said, you better get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's my worst night. <laughs> That's my worst night. And I had to call my father, of all people, to come pick me up at like 2 in the morning. And he's like, you know, this comedy, you're a comedian. This comedy is bullshit. And I'm like, you know, driving home, listening, you a comedian, huh? I'm driving. <laughs> Horrible.
Hell, Steve worse than that. Couldn't get your fifty dollars. Couldn't get my money. And Gerald, if you out there, you owe me, you fucker. With <laughs> <laughs> some old ass man right now in Queens with a jazz club on. Is that the same motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> All right, your best night. Oh, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't tell which was my best set ever or which one was my most gratifying set. Cause you know you have my best night might have been some night you don't even know about some night in the club when all cylinders are working you know okay well your yeah. best memory about delirious then my best memory about the delirious is just how well it was received and, and that it was a surprise to people because uh people had seen me doing stand they seen me doing saturday night live and, and they had done i think 48 hours by the time when they saw delirious it came from left field and i was 21 or 22 when i did it but i had been doing stand-up you know almost 10 years so I pretty much had it polished, so it was, a, it was like catching them with a punch they didn't even expect. And then I had on that silly suit, too. <laughs> it, was, it really took them out. And what's cool about it is a lot of young comedians, they come up and they, they'll, you know, cite Delirious comics, you know, oh, yeah, that. Okay. Delirious is a moment in time, and it's a really unique piece. It's very funny. If you watch it, you'll see where a bunch of shit you see that came out in the 90s and a lot of stuff you see now. Delirious is one of the most imitated, imitated routine, uh, performances. You see a lot of stuff that comedians just shamelessly, shamelessly just go and twist it a little bit and take it a little stuff. And I guess it's flattering, you know, that they'll go and do that. But you'll see where a lot of the stuff that you think is funny, you see where a lot of it came from. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you love what you heard today, don't keep it to yourself. Share this episode with friends and family, and let's spread the laughter. Don't forget to check out the show notes for more information on today's guests and special offers just for our listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back soon with even more laughs. Join the fucking funny community today. <laughs>